welcome to episode 131, the final episode of Positive Regression, a motorsports analytics podcast. I'm Alan Kavana, joined as always by David Smith. David, it is the least happy I've ever been to record a podcast, bittersweet in the most literal sense of the word. Sweet because you, a friend and colleague whom I admire, have received an opportunity of a lifetime, something well-earned, much-deserved, a long time coming if you ask me, but so bitter because it means an end to this podcast. So let's start there, my friend. You got a job. What is it? Uh, as of right now, I am the uh, overseeing the new analytics department at RFK Racing, and that's a... Uh, that's a fancy title, uh, lots of pressure there, but uh, it's no biggie. I consider myself an analyst uh, for this organization that's going through a, a massive overhaul, uh, just embarking on this this project. There's there's a lot of new there, a lot of new faces, uh, certainly new, new materials and new race cars, and uh, I, I think maybe a, a new methodology in the way things are being done. And in that sense, it's a pretty thrilling opportunity. I think it has a chance to become something genuinely special. I don't know that I would have walked away from things that I've built with motorsports analytics and here with this podcast and all my other writing. I don't think I would have walked away and gone to, you know, work for Rick Ware. I, I don't, Honestly, no, that I would have gone to work for Rick Hendrick, uh, to be to be perfectly honest. This this opportunity suited me. And there are people there, personalities there. Brad Keselowski, I've known for a long time. Matt McCall, I've known for a long time. Mike Herman Jr., uh, TJ Majors and I have had conversations in the garage for, for the last few years. And now they're people that I'm going to interact with on a daily basis. So in that sense, that part isn't new. Um, how I communicate with them is going to change, and hopefully it uh, it impacts things for the better at RFK. But as for the role itself, I just honestly I consider myself an analyst uh, still, and I think that that is you know a different form with a team than it is for media. But I feel like the process is the same if the word analytics simply means analyzing statistics, then I am the one right now at RFK doing the analyzing. Uh, for some there, I'm going to be an interpreter. For some, uh, I'm a helper or an intermediary, but that is the role. And that is a role that I believe I can take on in my sleep. Uh, right now, my biggest focus hasn't been getting up to speed on the internal processes or or new numbers or new softwares. I mean, yeah, that's part of it. But I think the main focus has been simply um, building these relationships and uh, and working with these people that I've known for a while, um, but they're going to take on new roles within my life. Uh, and then from there, establishing trust, because that is the point uh, where the lines of communication will flow. And the thing that I am communicating is statistics, uh, as I always have. Uh, I like I've like to tell people uh, 
RFK bought your brain or bought, <laughs> brought all the information in, you know, that's in between your ears. Uh, they, they are the sole proprietors and sole owners of everything you know now. And that is a disadvantage for a lot of teams. So congratulations. Um, peel it back a little. I don't know what was Brad, a, a listener? Uh, does he approach you? I don't know how much you want to get into it. These are answers I don't know for you listeners out there. So I'm just wondering, David, uh, how did it all work? How does it work like something like that? Yeah. So my background with Brad, I've worked with him on a few projects over the years, um, typically, and hopefully I'm not speaking out of school, but it was around contract negotiation time for him. He would be curious about what he was bringing to the plate, what was to be expected. And he was always aware, um, even when he took on, uh, you know, his, this role with RFK driver and, and owner, um, he did so leaving, Team Penske, which in and of itself is an incredible opportunity to go drive for Roger Penske. And, and he and he walked away right before the prime of his career. I said, then I I have a hunch he knows what he's doing. And and he he seems he seems to uh, he understands the challenge that's ahead, but he's put people in in places and and there is. I mean, I can't speak to the attitude of the way things were at the the old Roush Fenway Racing simply because I was not there. But right now, there's an energy to the place, and there's an optimism. Even just looking ahead uh, after the clash, we didn't we had two cars not make the main event. Uh, yeah, we would have liked to have been competitive, but. I think that we're prioritizing the right things. <laughs> if if uh, if you know anything about me, I think that kind of falls in line with my thinking about you know the 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 tracks and uh, styles of racing that are probably going to benefit RFK the most. But as for the opportunity, Brad uh, popped up last fall, and um, he you know is is aware of everything I do, which I appreciate. I, I know he keeps tabs, but he simply asked me a question, and the question is are you happy? And the answer to that was yes, but he posited this intriguing challenge. Um, just kind of, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's taking a, what I consider to be a, a lost giant of this sport. Uh, there were years in which Roush racing was dominant and, and, and had those two championship seasons, to show for it and, and so many wins and so much talent and uh, a leader in the series and in the industry in a sense, and that has gone away for a while. So the project to, to, to write the ship and to even build it back better, to create something uh, progressive and new within the sport, within this new generation of stock car racing, that's appealing to me. And that is, I think as natural of a jumping on point is any that I'm ever going to have. So you mentioned, you know, opportunity of a lifetime. I don't know how many opportunities like this there actually would ever be. Uh, I didn't know that I'd ever get an opportunity like this. So I think everything aligned and the decision to leave what I was doing, which I was happy with. Uh, I enjoy our weekly conversations uh, I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed uh, my listeners and my readers. I thought they were inquisitive. I still do. Uh, that That's tough to leave. But this challenge is so intriguing that uh, I'd forever regret passing on it. 
we know your work and all the good work you do, what you're capable of. But I, I, I'm assuming here, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, David of Motorsports Analytics only has access to so many things, right? So much data. Uh, not exactly what a team or a manufacturer would have access to. So I'm just wondering, David, one of the smartest people I know, now getting access and seeing some of the behind the scenes. I I know you can't tell us everything. You are a team member now, a a competitive team member now. But can you give us a little perspective about what it is like for a person such as yourself to now have access to what I assume is... Potentially a lot more, uh, uh, many you know, more tools, more numbers, more information. A- and what do you think you can be capable of in the future? I mean, h- how cool was that? I guess uh, it was cool. Um, I-, I think the example that I've been telling folks is that it's as if I'm uh, I've moved to a new town and I'm shopping in a different grocery store. So there are things that are available to me that that are ingredients for what I consider my comfort foods. There are new things that I've never considered doing anything with because I didn't previously have access to it. And then there are some things that I know I'm not going to cook with. And that's kind of the the nature of um, pulling data from different sources and seeing what kind of tools are now available to me. It is exciting. Um, It does get the creative juices flowing in that regard. Uh, But it, it was more... I don't know that I was expecting to be a kid in a candy store. I think it was just kind of getting acquainted with how things have been measured and recorded by others uh, and packaged and understanding, okay, I see what's here. Uh, I see what I can do with it. And even in some of the the metrics that I use for motorsports analytics and, and mention on this podcast, uh, I know of ways that can boost them, make them stronger, not necessarily more reliable, but maybe more expedited would probably be a better word. Um, and and that regard, it's been it's been very cool, uh, very curious. And I'm going to have an opportunity to to build out the analytics department staff. There's going to literally be people uh, helping Whoa. build some of these metrics. So it's it it's a task but it's a good task and it's been one that's kind of caught the the high percentage of my thoughts over the last few months um just kind of thinking about what the possibilities are i'm certainly in a blue sky mode everything is doable for now um i hope that that is always the case and i don't really foresee a reason why it wouldn't be for right now Everything is good, um, but I'm certainly bullish on the future. To me, uh, this is like a young Leonardo da Vinci finding out more colors exist. So I am so jealous. I'm so that is that is a wild comparison. No, well, no, 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 no. No, no, hey, this is my comparison here. This is the last time I get to say something as good and as nice to you, at least publicly. So I will. Uh, I can't wait to see what you do with it. I am jealous. I am angry. We won't get to hear your genius because ultimately I started as a fan of your work. I've always been a fan of your work, Um, but I am so, so happy someone is recognizing it after all this time in the the most major way possible, and that is to uh, professionally and to offer you a position like this because I think it is well-earned, and I think the real lesson here is that RFK pays more than this podcast does. So congratulations, David. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you would be accurate on that. 
Um, as for calling me a genius, I will uh, I will assure our listeners that I have shocked myself on my car door uh, th- uh, three times in the last two days, uh, and I knew it was coming. So genius, no, not so much, far from it. But uh, I appreciate the sentiment and uh, and more importantly the belief. And uh, if I'm walking away from this, I will make it a vowel to uh, to not let anyone down because I I do know that I'm leaving. Good stuff. Um, yeah, hey, look, it's not all sad. Let's switch topics here, David. Let's talk a little racing. You mentioned it. I mean, of course, you're a team member now. We have had one race under our belts, the Clash out at the Coliseum. Uh, I was there. It was awesome. I did some work for Speed Sport out in L.A. I wanted to be a part of that event just because, I mean, who wouldn't, right, as a race fan, as as, as someone who covers the sport and professionally for full time for nearly 10 years now, uh, this was going to be a big deal and I wanted to make sure I was a part of it. It was a big event. It was fresh. It was new. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be balanced here, not a full on cheerleader, but look at someone who is a fan of racing myself. I loved it. It delivered, David. It was not a, a shit show. Uh, car prep, driver talent, that certainly mattered. And and even if that didn't matter at times, it, it was fun because it was short track race and they used the bumper. I, I liked it all. The experience, the setting. Uh, there was not much on the line except to learn something about the new car, have a good time. And I think that was accomplished. Uh, David, you have certainly had a different view of this race, maybe more different than you've ever had of a race. So what was it like from your perspective? Uh, from my perspective, I think the the event itself was just wonderful. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think NASCAR has found its Monaco uh, in, in that it's created this event with such a gravity, a prestige, and and maybe that pomp and circumstance outweighs the the competitive aspects a little bit. Um, I, I don't uh, I don't know that it represented quintessential NASCAR by just having a pure track position race. Uh, the 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 four heat winners were the four fastest in qualifying, and three of the four were the only three that that led laps in the uh, in the main event. Um, that's a little tough. I mean, there, it wasn't like there was a, a driver just picking off spots. Um, that seemed a little difficult. Uh, Denny Hamlin ran away with the first LCQ and got lapped pretty quickly, uh, into the main event. So was it representative of the NASCAR that I know and love and appreciate? I'm not so sure of that, but I can't deny the, uh, uh, just the the magnetic appeal of a venue like that, an event like that. Uh, I, I think NASCAR should be applauded for thinking outside the box on that one. And 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 now I see that I'd, I'd, I'd like for the series to return. I'd like to take on other venues. Uh, London, England has a has a, a recent Olympic stadium that uh, West Ham United currently occupies. That I think could fit the bill. Um, there are a lot of places. This is um, this has me curious, uh, certainly for where the sport goes in the future. But can't deny how much fun it was. But from a competition standpoint, um, I did. I, I I got to sit in the RFK shop and kind of do my uh, my end race duties on behalf of the the two teams. And uh, and neither neither uh, Brad nor Chris Busher qualified for the main event. And, and, and that is unfortunate in, uh, in one way, but 
we internally viewed much of this as a preseason contest. Um, again, I can't emphasize how much new there is right now at RFK and that certainly includes people, but also the cars and, and, and the materials. Uh, there's a material shortage right now. And I think it was okay to be very mindful of that, where if, if our cars weren't in position to do something pretty special or bring home a trophy, then there really wasn't any sense in, uh, in incurring a lot of damage in order to do that. I took note of some other teams following that game plan. So no, the, the result was not anything to write home about, but, uh, I feel like, you know, just in terms of the process of getting folks up and running, getting to know each other, getting to communicate with each other for a first time. I thought that was a decent takeaway. And in that sense, just the exercise of it all was uh, was certainly worth it, so, and on my end at least. Well, David, who had the best pass efficiency there? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't know. Can you even share information like that anymore? I think that's what's so sad is that the, the stuff I used to go and the data I used to pour over at Motorsports Analytics that's the kind of stuff I'll miss the most. And uh, now that is all property of one team and one team only. I'm sad, David. I'm sad. It was Eric Jones. <laughs> you, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you caught this, but it was kind of a, a positive regression day. Did you catch Trent Owens' heat race? Yes. I mean, yes, we were, yes. Every, every, everything was coming up, David and Alan. It was just like constant reminders of like inside jokes, Aww. everything happening so fast. So, it's, so, you know, in that respect, it was pretty cool. And hey, yeah, Eric Jones, pretty good for the Petty GMS team. He, he put on a show. He was one of the guys inching his way forward uh, through that race. But um, I mean, so funny. Th- there's there's going to be a lot to pull um, just just from this new car. Uh, seeing what teams get a hold of it, mm. seeing what teams are are fast. RCR showed up out of the gate, uh, very well prepared for that race. Can't wait to see what happens uh, because the, this this first slate. Uh, I mean, after Daytona, you go to two mile Fontana. I haven't even seen that track in two years. And, and the two mile track has not been a priority of late. So it'll be interesting to see who emphasizes that. And then Vegas and Phoenix, and then we're, we're right into it. We're hit with different track types. Um, I don't even know if we're going to have a good read on who's truly dominant until race five or six. And that comes with a new car and and new team pairings but i think that's exciting it's it's a really good time to be a returning nascar fan right now because there's just a world of possibilities and if you're a new fan i mean wow you're 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 jumping on it maybe the ideal point. Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't think of a better, maybe like right before Jeff Gordon came onto the scene. I don't, I don't know. I don't know of a more uh, monumental transition point um, for, for new fans to come on. So this is, this, this might be it. This might be the year. I mean, a lot of these are at least publicly the last you know chance for me to ask you some of these questions. So maybe big picture with, with this new next gen car, let me ask, uh, you know, we can only take so much away from the clash, but I don't think, or maybe it should, I don't know. Should it surprise anybody that, you know, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, the, the Penske's and Joe Gibbs racings of the world uh, did pretty well in that one race with the first next gen car. You know what I mean? I, I know it's a one race sample, but I've heard uh, a certain coworker of yours, Brad Kislowski say, you know, maybe the driver is more important than ever. If, if everything is 
virtually equal or these new cars, what have you. Maybe it's more in the driver's hands than ever before. Any thoughts you want to share on that, that the cream still seems to rise when it comes to driver talent? Uh, I think that's always going to be the case. Yeah. I mean, but even with, with team talent, yeah, you've thrown away a lot of equipment. Um, some really smart people ended up losing their jobs or are going to because of this changeover um, to a new car. Uh, we, we've documented that for a while. But uh, the people that remain with these top organizations are still intelligent. They, they did not stop being intelligent simply because a new car has come onto the scene. And when you have a, a collection of intelligence, both in terms of quality and quantity, that is inherently going to be an advantage. So JGR, Hendrick, Penske, they were good before. They're probably still going to be good. Uh, that that That's a lot of brain power still employed by those teams and working in those shops. That's going to be tough to overcome. Those are advantages. Um, every manufacturer has its own strengths and weaknesses still. Um, what, what, what they were doing before and what they're doing now, um, that's going to be the case. So advantages that were pre-existing might might remain in place especially if there was no change um the change is around the equipment but the people that are tasked with doing something with that equipment are still intelligent top of the game and and those people tend to gravitate towards the biggest organization so you know, I'm sorry to to report that Spire and, and and Rick Ware and and some of these teams that are just trying to uh, to forge an identity within the industry, they still very much have an uphill battle that they have to overcome. It it's not a completely new day where everyone's on an even playing field. It it it's it's possibly more compressed. That might be true, but if there were advantages before then you can pretty much make a good bet that there are still going to be advantages of some sort. Uh, and that way, I think, I, I don't know that we saw anything too surprising uh, last Sunday with that clash race. All right. Now with uh, this podcast going away, we need to discuss what's next for analytics in NASCAR. Because David, I give you full credit for the birth of analytics in NASCAR, at least uh, the acknowledgement of them, right? I-, I hope this podcast has helped shine a light on your work. Uh, but unlike other sports, I-, I really do, unfortunately, despite our efforts, I don't know if we've we've done our part, right? We, we have a-, a loyal, fiercely smart and loyal audience. Uh, we've seen some of that grow, uh, but I don't think we've seen the the embrace or the least public discussion of motorsports analytics as much as we should. And some of that I blame on you, David, because there's only one of you and now you're going. (laughs) So David, what are we going to do without you? What do you think is next for analytics in NASCAR? I think that that, yeah, that you made a good point. I think it's up to the fans. uh, Honestly, if, if this is something that, the the fans, listeners of our program, even people that don't like our our podcast, but probably would be hip to learning a little bit about NASCAR analytics. I think that this is something that you have to demand of the NASCAR media at large. I think the fans need to make uh, the NASCAR media more accountable in their storytelling because. Even now, watching a NASCAR race 
is difficult. Uh, football fans, basketball fans, I think they have it easy by comparison because every action, every snap in a football game, every basket in a basketball game, everything that takes place in a game is visible on your TV screen. And that's simply not the case in any form of auto racing. We're watching at most, what, two or three cars at once on the screen. We might actually observe only 5% of the action that actually takes place in a NASCAR race. And that is hard. There's so much going on that just does not get covered. And that is why good analysis is especially important in racing because it covers what fans don't get to see. You know, everyone understands that Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch and and Joey Logano are really good, but does everyone understand why? (laughs) Is that comprehensible for everyone? Because I'm not so sure. Uh, it's it, it's not often communicated on a high level. Chase Elliott is is good on road courses. Great. Why is that? How is his braking technique exceptionally different compared to his competition? How much of an advantage does it give him? How does Alan Gustafson build a setup around that specific skill? It's things like that. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you overlay a spreadsheet onto the TV screen. I'm not saying go full nerd. Right. But I do think that NASCAR fans, even even the most common fan might like to hear what makes these drivers great in certain scenarios. And that is something that a good analyst would uncover. We've had a three year litmus test uh, with positive regression, sort of proving that theory. But TV, the writers in the media center, they need to do collectively a better job of relaying the the talent that's on display, uh, the decisions being made, the advantages that are being gained. This sport offers so much more than just character profiles and stories of conflict. So I hope those with the largest microphones understand that and make that adjustment. And at any rate, uh, fans should hold the current media accountable because there is uh, so much, so much good uh, that already goes untold. And, uh, and that shouldn't be the case. Well, I hope so. So that's, you know, from the fan and media side. And I, I hope someone has been listening and I hope uh, we've all been listening, frankly, but let's have the competition side. Look, RFK made a strategic move, David, to get your brain power. You are too humble to (laughs) agree with this, so I'm saying it without tooting your own horn. I I think you can agree. RFK did this, right? You know, they don't make decisions for no reason. They did this in an effort to make the team stronger, to bring in your brain power, your thought process. Uh, Do you anticipate other teams doing the same or at least in a direction, moving in that direction? What have you learned? What do you think will happen Analytics and NASCAR from the competition side. Um, I, I mean, if if there aren't already folks within organizations with with at least two eyes on stats and and trying to articulate them in a manner that's beneficial, uh, there will be, and there will be plenty of that soon. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that's any real 
secret. This isn't the first analytics department in racing. It might be the first one to kind of go public with the the goal of having one. Um, but I think in general, uh, look, uh, there are engineers in the sport. What do engineers know? They know cars and they know math. None of this is unfamiliar to people already working with race teams. I think the execution of statistics and the comprehension of what they mean and mean towards a team and mean towards improvement, I think that's going to change. I, I think analytics for the sake of self-improvement is is going to be a significant next step. Um, similar to the evolution of pitching and hitting in baseball. Uh, I know you don't follow baseball closely, but the concentration on spin rate is fairly new and it's created a more dominant brand of pitcher, uh, exit velocity and launch angle. Those are things that have become uh, not only identifiers of potential good hitters, but they've also become aspirational for hitters that aren't already elite, even though they're at the major league level. So it, it's stoked this constant improvement. Uh, it, it's a sport where analytics is driving the future of improvement and refinement. I think the same can occur here in auto racing. Uh, What what Josh Wise is doing with his coterie of Chevrolet drivers is remarkable. He's taking good talent, Cup Series level talent, and maximizing it. Now, it pisses me off because he's a de facto competitor now (laughs) and he's building stronger opponents, but hats off to him because he's making drivers better by helping them become smarter and identifying how to do that and executing on that, not just for drivers, but for everyone with the ability to affect a race. I think that's the next step. Uh, I think from a, from a competitive standpoint. Yeah. And I don't know if this fits in this particular topic, but with the anti-analytics crowd at time, or the, the ones who just maybe don't understand or don't embrace is that like, like say in other sports, David, uh, baseball totally embracing analytics it's not going away i guess is what i'm getting at so you should start embracing it if you are a fan or a media member or trying to understand it more because when you see uh things like you said spin rate wins over replacement or even you know we hear so much even the little baseball i do watch it's about taking picture pitchers out super early right about pitch count about not wanting them to see batters you know a third time in a game like all of this is data-driven, and it's not going away even if some people complain about it. In the NFL, we've seen teams now go for two or not go for two at odd times because they're looking at numbers charts. I know some people think that's crazy, but that kind of stuff, it's not going away. It's only going to get more and more and more data-driven. NASCAR, the same thing. Racing, the same thing. It'll pay off if you at least consider embracing it. I wanted to get that out there, David. You know, I've never really understood why somebody would be diametrically opposed to the use of analytics because it's just a tool. It's just information that helps you make a decision. Uh, if think if you're just driving your normal car on the road, if your if your gas meter is close to empty, you're probably going to pull over for gas. That that essentially is an analytics driven decision. These are things that you make in your own life. Well, the information has just become more robust and and probably more defined. 
and they are leading to better decisions or more precise gambles. That's all it is. This isn't this isn't and I, I even I, I didn't start diving into analytics to become smarter than everyone. I did it for my own survival as a talent scout, and it just kind of led me down hmm. the rabbit hole. And I mean, I was already in the industry. I'm here. Like I was just trying to to get it to improve and make better decisions on driver evaluation, and that's what it's done. Well, if you view it from that lens, it's probably just going to help you become. A better fan, uh, a better competitor. Uh, that that's all it is. It is information that maybe you previously didn't have, or it wasn't articulated properly to you. Or now, if you hear it, you know, okay, you can feel a little bit more comfortable making a decision that you're going to make. That's all it is. Um, I've I've never, not that I've ever faced it. I, I've never had a had a showdown with anyone anti analytics. I, I think the the industry has embraced what i've done for the most part at least to my face <laughs> they have um but certainly i would never understand why anyone would just be so philosophically uh, against its use uh because in theory it just helps lead to better decision making and in the end aren't don't we all want help making decisions don't we want to know what our best possible outcomes are i i think we do and if you decide against going with what might be the best possible outcome then you made that choice while having all possible information so you you might even be able to live with that choice a little bit better than you previously could have all right well, finally, well, I hate to say finally, but you know, after all the episodes we've done, 130 of them, what do you hope people have taken away from this? Uh, this is a question you posed to me in our notes here. Uh, I, I hope listeners have learned to take joy in the minutia. I, I love racing, so I want to go as in-depth as possible. That That's what drew me to your work so many years ago. Uh, I think oh, nearly 10 years ago now, I remember being in the, the bowels of NASCAR.com and, and reading your work and, and trying to learn more and intrigued by it because look, some people love fantasy football and you know what that means? That means they know the third string running back on the Seahawks because they want to be better at fantasy football. They want to dig in. Some people love music. That means they know all the liner notes of a of, of Rolling Stones first album or something, right? You you can dig in as much as you want and you can keep scratching, keep scratching, keep learning. Well, I love racing and I think our listeners do too. And and David, your work, and I hope this podcast made me a smarter race fan, a smarter observer. You know, restarts matter. How well you pass. Yes, pass efficiency. That does matter. What the 19th place driver is doing with the 25th fastest car. That matters. When a pick, when a, uh, a crew chief decides to pit, that matters. This was a place for smart racing talk. It was so unique. I benefited from it selfishly, David. I, I love doing this podcast because I selfishly benefited from picking your brain every single week, and I will miss it. So what I hope people take away from this podcast is that every time you observe a race, you pay attention to what matters, and you are a smarter observer. How about you? I don't know if I could have said that any better. Uh, I, I've I've always approached a race... Uh, for for a while now, I think the last driver uh, I rooted for until taking this job was Davey Allison. So it's 
it's been a while since I've had um, some rooting interest in a race, but in doing so, I would watch races from the point of view of understanding that uh, I knew how it was going to end. Someone was going to win and I didn't know who and I didn't know how. So everything that I observed in a race was building towards that conclusion, trying to understand what was the winning move, what actually mattered to this race. You know, for instance, with a clash, it probably was that initial qualifying session mm-hmm. that, that mattered the most. Uh, Ross Chastain's perfect restart retention in the heats that he didn't even <laughs> advance from turns out didn't matter. It was it was a track position yeah, game. See, and- see, little things like this you're mentioning, I'm <laughs> going to miss so much. And I, selfishly, yeah. I have access to you, and we will chat, and uh, I will pick your brain, and it will be fun. But a lot of people are will miss out on it. That's what I'm sad about. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> but Eddie, no, I, I, not I think- you're mentioning. That's what makes this podcast so great, David. Thank you so much. Oh, I know. I it's it, but it's it's that kind of point of view, right? It's it's taking the uh the 25,000 foot approach to everything and just kind of asking why. Um this driver won, why? H- how did that happen? Uh why did this team fail in this decision? Why did they make that decision? What was the philosophy behind it? We had an episode last year that I was pretty proud about when we went through bad pit calls, but reverse engineered the logic behind them. And when you do that, you you kind of understand the scenario that they were put in. Yes, it was it was a bad pit call and will remain one, but you have to understand the philosophy behind that decision making. And if you understand the the original intent of its goal, then then maybe you can at least understand how that came to be. And, and I think that that's what fans want. I think that's what fans of any sport want. They want to know, why did you run the play that you ran? They want to know, uh, why did you start these five compared to, um, the other five that are sitting on the bench? It's, it's that kind of approach, right? I, I think analytics is one way to help cut through, uh, the minutia just to get to those answers. And, even though you don't have numbers readily available, you don't have to in order to ask those kinds of questions. It's just a different way of thinking. It's being analytically minded. And I think that's what I want fans to take away. People that have been listening to us for three years probably watch a race much differently than they previously did. And for those that have reached out to me and, and said that, I mean, the, um, the support after that announcement went out uh, was amazing. I, I, I've, I've read them all. I might not have been able to respond to all of them because there were so many, but I appreciated every single one of them. And, and the thing that got me was you've changed the way that I watch racing. And that is maybe my proudest accomplishment in being a member of the media, because I don't know if too many members of the media can actually say that. So I've accomplished something that I think is rare um, but more importantly, I think, Alan, that you and I have created some smarter fans. And from that, maybe, maybe they are, maybe they're future competitors of mine, maybe they're future media members, and they're going to be so. able to better tell that story, you know? 
Um, maybe we've we fostered a generation of uh, of of smarter fans. We'll see where it goes. Um, I'm optimistic, and I will say this: I'm happy for so many reasons. Firstly, that we have a listener base, a recreated one that was so level headed. Uh, there were like minded individuals. I want to thank you all of you. When we did Q and a episodes, the questions were good. It, uh, we, we oh, I think yeah. we had to go through like all of them. Uh, yeah. you guys are so smart, you're inquisitive and you're resourceful. And I appreciate all of those facts. I've seen how other writers and media members, not just in NASCAR, but other sports, other professions, they, how they choose to act based on the irrationality of their readers. I didn't have that and I didn't have to act that way. So thank you. Uh, and secondly, I'm happy that I have a friend for life on the other end of the podcast. Uh, Alan, you've brought out the best of me. I am comfortable talking in front of crowds now and in front of microphones. That was not the case on episode one, I can assure you. Uh, and this is something that will translate to the new job and all jobs going forward, communicating how I research the sport. It changed. Thanks in part to your help and your prodding and your questioning. It made me a better analyst. Uh, so to you, Alan, I am forever indebted. And I will say the same to you. I will miss our weekly chats. We are friends, of course, and we'll keep in touch. Uh, but I will miss uh, sharing our friendship and my curiosity with your brain uh, to our listeners. So that that's who I am most sad for because we have loyal, loyal friends and listeners uh, who we won't hear from as often, but, uh, David, I hope you keep in touch because the racing world will not be as smart, but, uh, that is all Roush Fenway Kislowski's gain. And I can't wait to see what you do with it. So, uh, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for letting me be a part of this and, and good luck to you in, uh, in the future with this, uh, wild, crazy adventure. It sounds pretty fun. Uh, it is. I'll take all the luck that I can get. But um, look, it's a job. Everyone has one. They they go and they do them. And that's the approach that I'm taking to it. I'm in a very fortunate position. I do not take that for granted. And uh, the goal uh, from this point forward is to overachieve. Uh, try to try to supplement uh, everything that RFK is already working hard to do and add anything I can to, uh, to make it better. So I'm there, I'm in for the long haul, and I'm ready to see that project out. I have spoken with some other Ford crew chiefs, not on RFK, and they were hoping that uh, your work gets shared throughout the Ford racing department because they are jealous and will miss uh, listening. Uh, I can't say who, but uh, that that was funny to hear. And I also made sure to tell Brad that, uh, hey, thanks, buddy, for ending my podcast because now I got Tuesday nights open. So, uh, yeah, again, his gain, and he, uh, he he had a good smile about it. But, again, he uh, he did this for, for good reason. So uh, congrats, Brad. Congrats, David. Uh, thank you all so much for listening over these last few years. I think this podcast has evolved since episode one, if you go back, I think somewhat organically, and that's been pretty cool. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll end it there, David, saying this has been a professional honor, and I will not forget it. Uh, for David Smith, I'm Alan Kavana. Thank you so much for listening to Positive Regression. 
I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.